Ladies and gentlemen, basketball fans across the world, welcome to another episode of the Basketball Podcast, the number one basketball history podcast on the Basketball Podcast Network. And we're number one because we're the only one. I'm Jeremy Brenner, the CEO of Basketball Nostalgia. And today we've got a very exciting episode. And this week we are discussing the phenomenon that was, that is, Linsanity. This is something that when I started this podcast, I really wanted to do. But it, you know, and I wanted to do it when it was like the anniversary of Linsanity a couple weeks ago. But I didn't have the right person to talk it with. And, you know, through networking and, and finding different people to come on, I found my guy. And I let me tell you guys, he is the guy to talk about this with. He is the resident expert. So I've got Tyler Hu on the podcast with me today. He is one of the co-hosts of the Coast to Coast podcast for Coast to Coast Podcast IV. He knows his Nick stuff better than the back of his hand. So Tyler, thank you for coming on to the podcast today. And how's it going? Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. It's going pretty well. I mean, I kind of just woke up. 20 minutes ago, but I'm ready to go, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so obviously, you know, Jeremy Lin, when he came onto the scene, you know, you and I are pretty close to the same age, I'd say. I'm, I graduated, I'm turning 23 in May. So you're you're around, like, how old were you when Linsanity was actually happening? So I was about, a, like, I'd say 11, because this is 2011, correct? So 20, I was, Yeah, 2011, yeah. 2012, yeah. So, yeah, I was about 11 years old. I'm 20 right now. So, yeah, I was about 11 years old when Linsanity started to pop off. And that's what I love about doing this kind of podcast is you really get to kind of reminisce on the basketball that you grew up watching. And the basketball you grew up watching is very different than the basketball we see now, I feel, as young adults. And there's a sense of wonder with the basketball you watch as as a kid versus the basketball you watch now and jeremy lynn and but the, with jeremy lynn he kind of brought you back what regardless of what age you were as to how exciting and how electric he was when he was having this stretch of just unimaginable play with the knicks back in 2011 2012 yeah it was special man i it was so cool, especially me being an Asian American. I hadn't really seen a player like that ever because Yao Ming, he wasn't really Asian American. And plus, he's also 7'6". Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be 7'6". I can be 6'3", like Jeremy Lin. I can be a normal point guard, just dribbling the ball up the court, undersized, but quick. And um, just seeing that stretch, like that underdog story, like nobody knew who he was, getting cut from Golden State, Golden State getting cut from Houston kind of getting cut from Golden State again. And then D'Antoni took a chance on him. Mike D'Antoni took a chance on him. And I was like, let's roll. And it turned out to be really, really, really special. It was a great time. It was a great stretch of games. And I'll say this. I don't think since that month of basketball that we've seen anything really like this. And even before, we really haven't seen one player come out of nowhere and immediately become the most popular player in the league overnight. Jeremy Lin's the definition of an overnight sensation. When you look at overnight sensation in the dictionary, a picture of Jeremy Lin is right next to it. And 
Yeah, you know, you mentioned how Yao Ming, you know, so the NBA has this um, relationship with China thanks to Yao Ming, and he he kind of started that, and then Yi Jianlian comes in, and, you know, but that's like, you know, those guys were China, and they were stars of China. And Jeremy Lin was also, also kind of brought that, attention with him you know he would have there would be an excess of reporters when Jeremy Lin first started in the league with Golden State but I like what you mentioned like there's a difference between a Yao Ming who's 7-6 versus a Jeremy Lin who's Asian American who's six foot three who has parents that are both under six foot there's a sense of relatability there and I felt like Jeremy Lin's kind of like your average Joe but Jeremy Lin worked his ass off to get to where he is in the NBA. And when he got the one opportunity, one opportunity he needed, he took it. Yeah. I mean, he's just the opportunity. Like he's the guy like that. I look for, like look up to like when it comes to like, take advantage of your opportunity, run with it. I mean, I grew up idolizing Kobe, Carmelo, Anthony, MJ, like guys like that. But I didn't see a guy who was like similar to me. And then, Jeremy Lin shows up and balls out, just absolutely tears up the scene, makes everything in New York. Everything in New York was just like, it was crazy. I I remember the buzz of it in like New York. It was so wild. My, like one of my, like a couple of my family friends got interviewed on like Newsday, like local news stations about like mm-hmm. Jeremy Lin, just cause like they all had Lin jerseys on and like everybody was like, everybody's a fan. Like everybody loved it. And the people were, that weren't a fan that were doubting him became a fan over like over time. I was like, "Wow, this is special!" Like you look at the dude, like you're just your average Joe, like average Asian guy. Just and then he just tears you up for 25 against the Nets over his first game, and then after that, oh, it was it was over. Yeah. Was so that's so yeah. I'm gonna yeah. I want to go at this piece by piece. So. He plays, obviously, the 2011 season starts around Christmas Day because it's the lockout year. Right. And they kind of – Jeremy Lin's basically the the last guy on the bench. Yeah. Like, at this point, he's only coming into games if it's garbage time. Rarely does he ever come out of the game. And the Knicks have maybe three or four point guards ahead of him on the depth chart, right? So they had – who was starting that year for the Knicks? Was it During was it Baron Davis? Time? Who was starting that? It year? might have been Baron. No, it wasn't Raymond Felton yet. I don't think Raymond was on the squad, as far as I remember. Yeah, that. So I got I got look back at, at that squad. Yeah. So they had Tony Douglas, Mike yeah. Bibby. Oh, Tony Douglas was probably our starter. Or yeah, Tony Douglas yeah, started the first. Tony. I'm looking at the first game Jeremy Lin was on the team for, and Tony Douglas was the starter. And the game in which you know. Linsanity kind of begins comes on February 4th. The Knicks are, you know, the Knicks win this game by seven, much in part because Jeremy Lin scores 25 off the bench. And this they're now nine and 15. So in that right. game, they don't really have like a true point guard because Mike Bibby was hurt. Tony Douglas has kind of lost favor in the rotation. Uh, but Jeremy Lin... This is he plays 35 minutes and scores 25. And this is really like his last shot. Like they really don't have a need for that many point guards. They're not a very good basketball team. They're nine and fifteen at this point. 
but mm-hmm. Jeremy Lin kind of pulls them out of the doldrums in a way. Like the, and that that win that they had against the Nets, it was a fourth quarter comeback led by Jeremy Lin. And right. so there was something about that game that really like set things into motion because the next game Jeremy Lin gets his first start, correct? Right. Um against Utah. Against the Jazz. Mm-hmm. And he and continues. He yeah, he continues to he plays 44 minutes in out of 48. So he played he yeah. basically didn't come out of the game. Yeah. And keep in mind, two games ago, this guy was not even like coming off the bench. And now Mike D'Antoni is playing him 45 minutes in a, in a basketball game. It was insane. And, you know, he drops 28. So you're looking at this guy. That, that That's like, what's the NBA equivalent to like today? That, that'd be like if Mie Oni you know, of the Utah Jazz. Oh, yeah. Like, that... Comes in and just drops 35. Right. Like, just comes in. Just, just out of takes, nowhere. Like, takes over seriously. starting point guard role of the Jazz. Yeah. that Like, out of nowhere, say Conley goes down, Clarkson goes out, he takes over. Just Jazz just, like, don't lose a game for, like, five games. It's, like, six games. And they look dominant with a random Asian guy that you wouldn't expect. Exactly. So, yeah. That's That's the whole – look in this right that so this is coming out of total left field but i think also the fact that this is the knicks here yeah no helps helps a little bit with with how much media attention this yeah attention to me aoni getting like 35 points on utah no offense to utah but it's (laughs) new york it's the capital of like media like yeah it's the capital of the world in a sense yeah, it was just like the media was huge. Everybody was like, uh, it was like half rooting for Jeremy and half like kind of hoping for his downfall. But it was super. It was like so like, it was so big. Like nobody, I don't even remember how like you have to go back and like it was just everybody was like so hyped about the Knicks at that time. That was like last time that we had a hype around the team. Like 2013, sure we made we went 54, 28, made it to the second round, but. Insanity was just like a movie. It was like it was like a movie. They have to make a movie on that. Yeah, I like that you use the word movie because that, yeah. like, movie p- writers couldn't write a script like this. Yeah, nobody. Could. Truly, like, this is kind of where the Knicks were. And at this point, you know, the Knicks hadn't made the playoffs in a long time. I mean, they made the playoffs the year before, Since- but they got swept by Boston. Yeah. So you're really looking at a team that has had no playoff success for the better part of a decade and now they have this guy jeremy lynn and to be honest i don't think a lot of people really believed in the hype yet even after the nets game and the jazz game it was kind of like uh oh wow this was interesting jeremy lynn but i don't think people really took him seriously and in a sense i still don't think people take jeremy lynn seriously i think they still see him as a bit of a gimmick yeah, I've seen. I've talked to people. They're like, "Oh, it's all insanity." Blah blah blah. He only had one good season. I'm like, Jeremy Lin had a pretty damn good career. He like and his, had a, really a career that's still a career that's still working in in a sense. Yeah, but Cruz, you know, his his career will always be defined by the this stretch of games. This yeah, stretch, of, you know, 20, 25 or so games, right? Where he was virtually on top of the world right top of the basketball world mm-hmm. is that fair 
for Jeremy Lin? Um, I think if you wanted to find his career, yes, Linsanity was fair. Just being like that little stretch of game, it was just like flashing. It wasn't really a flash in the pan. It was just like a hot, like a guy getting off to a hot start. Nothing to literally not literally nothing to lose. Like I'm just like he he goes to the court every game and he's the he's the guy. Like he doesn't have anything to lose. He's been cut like twice before or three times before, but. Uh, twice by the same team, I'm assuming, uh, with the Warriors. And, like, this dude, he's on his last legs in the NBA at, like, 20 – how old was he? Like, 23? Yeah, I mean, because um, he was a fringe guy coming into the NBA to begin with. Right. He got he was undrafted out of Harvard. Uh, didn't really get many looks. And then, like, he has nothing to lose. Like, when you, you play the best when you have nothing to lose. And mm-hmm. Jeremy Lin had not, literally nothing to lose. This guy loses – he gets cut, he gets cut. He's used to getting cut. However, he takes it by the reins. He grabs the starting job by the reins, and then it's over. Just Jeremy Lin, just Lin Sanity was taken off. But um, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to describe his, like, not describe his career, but, like, if you want to look at his career, you'll look first at Lin Sanity, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's a great story. It's nothing yeah. to, like, slight him because I, I think if I'm Jeremy Lin, and you kind of see it now while he's trying to make this comeback into the league, that he doesn't want Lin Sanity to be his defining moment in his career. He still wants more for himself. But I think what Lin Sanity represents is something that's very powerful. And it's something that I'm, I would be very proud of if it were, you know, if I changed my last name, put Lin instead of Jer- <laughs> instead of Brenner. But, You're almost um, there. <laughs> you know... But I'll say this, when it comes to Jeremy Lin, he should be in, like this. I think what was so in, like exciting about this is that it really gave like he Jeremy Lin plays off of a lot of stereotypes, I'd say. Right. right you know, especially yeah. especially in a in a universe, in a workplace that has everyone else, with the exception of maybe three people in the whole league that look like him exactly and when you don't have that representation it can be a bit harder to break into that mold and you know he he goes to like and he plays off of a lot of asian stereotypes some negative some positive like the harvard you know oh he's super smart oh you know but he said you know what like that's not me like yes i'm smart but i'm also a good basketball player exactly. and not only am I a good basketball player, you know, I deserve to be, you know, considered as such. And I'm not just, you know, a guy that's going to give you eight good games and, and that's it. I'm going to be a guy that, you know, you can count on for a long time and I'm, yep. I deserve and I belong. The words he's been using lately is I belong in the NBA. And right. this was the moment in which he proved that even, even though, he didn't fit the stereotype, didn't fit the build. And I think that is what is very inspiring about this story. It's you you really can't judge a book by its cover. Exactly. I mean, you look at Jeremy Lin, 6'3 on a generous day, not very big. He's like probably like 190 pounds, like not very athletic. He's quick, he's fast, but he's not like, a burner like a jerk, like a John Wall in his prime or mm-hmm. De'Aaron Fox. He's like decent, uh, decent point guard speed. 
not a freak athlete, but it was all about willpower. This dude had crazy willpower. He just he was like, listen, head down. I'm in. I want to like just take over. I, as I said, he had nothing to lose. He was all in. And he, um, if you ever played basketball with Asians, you just know they're probably undersized. They're probably quick. They have high, high basketball IQs. They can probably shoot the ball, and they're team players. They're not freak athletes. They're not like, oh, I'm going to ISO you one-on-one, just cook you. Like, they're team players that, like, run the pick and roll, run the fundamentals, and they're just, like, a little bit undersized, like maybe 5'10", 5'11". Like, I'm not, like, I'm not 6'3". Like, I played basketball growing up with Asians, and, like, we were a little bit smaller than most of the other teams, but – you know what? It's all about heart. It's all about willpower. And that's what Jeremy Lynch showed. Yeah, you know, I think, like, I guess try. I'm going to try to pick your basketball brain a little bit here, Tyler. Yeah, go ahead. Why did Jeremy Lynn work? Like, why did this situation with Jeremy Lynn work? <laughs> why did he fit in with this Knicks team so well? All right, so why did he fit in? Uh, first of all, I believe this is around the time that Mello was, like, a little hurt. Yeah, Mello yeah, was, was, like, in and out. He, he got injured in, yeah. like – so I guess that helps because yeah. Mello is usually the one taking the majority just, of the shots. A lot of the shots, yeah. So I love Mello to death, so I'm not going to slander his name. Uh, Mello is – Mello slanders not. out a lot of – yeah, never yeah. accepted. Never tolerated. Never However, <laughs> he was out of the lot in and out of the lineup um, – also, the Knicks just needed a guy to rally around when Melo was in and out. Then Tony, his coaching for his job, basically, like, he didn't – there was no guarantees he would be, on, on, like, on the Knicks as the head coach the next year. Yeah. Maybe even the next month. Like, the Knicks were – going to that um, Nets game, they were 8-15. and 15. Like, almost yeah. – they were, they were almost down and out. Like, they were almost like, oh, we're done. And this is a team, like, you you went out, you got Amari Stoudemire in free agency. Right. You went and traded for Carmelo for Anthony. You still have yet to see any, any semblance any of playoff success. Yeah. Right. So this Knicks team was, in a sense, this was a Hail Mary with Dragon right. Exactly. It was a, it was like a – And it worked. Exactly. It's a Hail Mary. That's, a, that's the perfect description. Especially because he's a Christian. That's actually kind of funny. Uh, but And he uh, cares a lot about his faith. But, yes, it, it was a complete Hail Mary. And it somehow worked. And it, I'm forever grateful for it because it's, it's a legendary story. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of factors into it. Uh, why Linsanity worked. I would say being Asian American, like you don't see much Asian American representation in sports, in like media, like in any of that stuff. Um his Asian being him being Asian American, it was like a surprise because like nobody expected this kid to pop off. Like the NBA is not dominated by Asians. So do like, you think then, that yeah. do you think that opponents, at least in the early part, kind of underestimated him? Hundred. They like they like sagged off him on on scouting reports and such. Yeah, look at look at the Kobe game for example. Kobe literally went into the game. Yeah. Well, for, let's let's Kobe, talk about yeah. the Kobe game. Like, yeah, yeah for sure. At this point, at this point. The the game against the Nets that he has, where yeah. they went, where he, when he comes into the fourth quarter, comes back and wins. That's on the Saturday. Right. They play the Jazz and the Wizards during the week, and this game is against the Lakers. Kobe Bryant, who is basically, who's still pretty relevant, given you know this is the team right before. It, this is the team right in between their, um, their 
finals runs and the Dwight Howard team. Right. So it's still a really good team. Mm -hmm. And Kobe is the face of this franchise. And this is a Friday night ESPN national televised game against the two the two biggest markets, LA and New York, are pitted against each other. Like eyeballs are on this game. Yeah. It's Kobe and Madison Square Garden. Kobe has had some of the craziest performances in Madison Square Garden. But, 61 on us. He dropped 61 exactly. on us in MSG. Yep. But so this is the game that people are looking at. And Jeremy Lin's coming in as this like kind of storyline. And people are like, will he or won't he? Mm -hmm. And he did. And not only did he show out, he had the best game that he's had in this Lin Sanity stretch. Yeah, definitely. Which is I mean, like bonkers. It was insane. I mean, I remember going to that game, watching that game at home with, um, I think I was with a couple, like two of my friends, and I turned on ESPN, and um, they were showing clips of the pregame interview. And like, Kobe, first of all, Kobe is my, he's the reason I got into basketball. He's my favorite, mm -hmm. favorite athlete of all time. So, God rest his soul. I love Kobe to death. However, this game, I remember I was so conflicted because I love Kobe so much. But I was like, I'm obviously, I'm going to root for the hometown team. I root for my favorite team, the Knicks. I, I was like, all right, Kobe, I'm a, I love you, but I'm going to have to put you on the bench here. This is Lynn Sanity here. And um, Kobe came out of that game. Uh, before that game, he was like, I don't think it was in a disrespectful tone, but it was a more like, a, I just don't really know who he is because he's like, you know, just a new phenomenon. But they were like, painting oh, that right. storyline on they were, they were, they were, they were, they were trying to turn so Kobe hard. into this villain. I remember so hard. They were trying to push that villain narrative that like, oh, Kobe is just like super disrespectful to these young kids, which is the complete opposite. But like Kobe, like he might have just, he said, oh, oh, I don't really know who he is. Um, I haven't really watched this game yet, but I'll, I'm sure I will or something like that. And the media has twisted it like the media usually does. They, um, Twisted against him, they're like, "Oh, Kobe's so disrespectful, so cocky." I remember talking to like family members who were just like learning a little bit about insanity. They're like, "Oh, Kobe's so cocky." I'm like, "No, nah. it's not that. It's more that he actually didn't know because it was like a stretch of five games, and like you don't have time to scout like new players. Like these new players, you don't get scouting reports on them right away. It's like small scouting reports. It's a tiny sample size. That's why he said that. But Jeremy Lin took that to heart." And Jeremy Lin outplayed Kobe Bryant on national television in Madison Square Garden, leading to a massive win for the Knicks. That was absolutely bonkers. It was a great – it was one of the best matchups that, that year, honestly, if you look at it. Because, you know, Kobe – when you think of Kobe and, like, his matchups, you think Kobe LeBron, Kobe, like – Kobe Mello. Kobe, Kobe Mello, like Kobe and, you know, I guess in a sense Dwight Howard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kobe in the Nets, you yeah, know, yeah. not not Kobe and Jeremy, Jeremy Lin, Lin, who was a bench warmer just two weeks ago. Exactly. And Jeremy Lin won the battle. Yeah. Jeremy Lin won the battle. His mm -hmm. stat line in this game, 38 points, 7 assists, 13 to 23 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. And Kobe, who had a good game, 34, yeah. 10 boards, 11 to 29 from the field. So they both had really good games, but right. in in a game that it came down to the to the superstars, yeah, Jeremy Lin outdueled Kobe, Kobe. and yeah. I think <laughs> that grew Lin sanity exponentially. Oh, 
unbelievable because you <laughs> at that point insanity was only like a culture like a little phenomenon in new york. it was a huge phenomenon in new york but like the rest of the national market had they either had no idea who jeremy lynn was or they barely knew the like the little idea like oh this asian guy like oh i don't know anything about him but like this is like nationally televised i think it was espn or it might have been tnt yeah it was espn yeah. it was espn i remember it was that. friday night yep friday night knicks uh and then it made it to espn and this kid Jeremy Lynch outplays Kobe Bryant, who's still he still got a lot left in the tank at that point. Yeah. Like this is Kobe Bryant we're talking about. And this is a little Asian guy named Jeremy Lin. Like, what is he gonna do? Oh, comes out and drops 38 on really good efficiency, gets seven assists, wins the game against a better Lakers team. Like, mm-hmm. how does that happen? It's just it's a story well, it's a storybook. So like, yeah, let me, that thing. Let me try to take you back a little bit. Yeah. You see Jeremy Lin outduels Kobe. How much pride do you feel as an Asian American, as a, just a kid? You know, maybe you don't recognize it at the time, but now looking <laughs> back on it, how much pride do you have for something like that when, when like someone that you identify with yeah. does the unthinkable, the improbable that beats the head of the dragon? How, how do you feel about that? As a, as a young kid. So I was running around, just running around, like rocking the Lynn. I had the shirts at the time. I didn't have a jersey yet. Um, but I was running around everywhere, just like so excited because like, yeah, this is this has never been seen before. Like I was mm-hmm. so happy. I was talking to all my friends about Jeremy Lynn all day, all night. I'm sure they got sick of it. But like, you know what? I was 11 years old. Couldn't care less. Looking back on it, I have so much pride for Jeremy Lin because, like, he paved the way for, like, Asian-Americans to want to get back into basketball because, like, get back into playing basketball. The the amount of people that didn't know, a, like, a lick about basketball, didn't know a thing about basketball. People in my family, like my mom, no no offense to mom. If, she, if she's listening, hi, mom. <laughs> but um, she's uh, she does nothing about basketball. And she was tuned into Insanity like, all the time. She said, yeah. oh, Jeremy Lin dropped, like, 28 points, 26 points, something like that. I was like, wow. Just like people you wouldn't expect, like people who couldn't care less about basketball are fully invested in this story. Like like paying attention to every single stat line, reading all the newspapers, and just in love with it. Like just like enamored by this guy who like, I mean, obviously we don't expect him to be a superstar, much less a star. And he's taking over basketball. That's the craziest thing. So yeah, being like, I mean, at the time, I like think I knew what was going on, but looking back on it, I was like, "Oh my god, this was this was special for us." And I think when we revisit it and we rewind, we truly get a better sense of how much we appreciate something like this and how things like this don't always happen. Right. And you know, since since then, we really haven't seen anything like this. And that's what makes this such a unique story that has so many highs and lows in the whole grand scheme of things. And I would say that him beating Kobe in Madison Square Garden is probably the biggest high of this whole thing. By far. So that's why I think this is a good place to park right now. So I got to you guys got to listen to part two, which comes out tomorrow. And thank you guys so much for tuning into part one of Insanity Week here at the Basketball Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter 
at Pasketball. That's P-A-S-T-K-E-T Ball. You can follow the Basketball Podcast Network on Twitter and Instagram at HoopsPodNet. If you want to follow my own personal Twitter, you can most absolutely certainly do that. It's at Jeremy Brenner. Nothing fancy, just my name, J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. Be sure to subscribe and follow and download the podcast on your app of choice so that you don't miss a single episode. We post episodes every Tuesday and Wednesday. And thanks to Tyler uh, to come in on. Feel free to drop your Twitter handles and anything that you're working on. Thank you for having me. So, um... If you want to just check me out on my personal Twitter, I tweet a lot about just random stuff, angry Knicks tweets, or just like angry sports state tweets as a New York sports fan. But um, my Twitter is uh, H, who is that kid? Pun up my name. Um, H-U-I-S-T-H-A-D-K-I-D. H-U. H-U, correct. H-U-I-S-T-H-A-D-K-I-D. Same deal with my Instagram. Hit me up there. Um, you can check out my podcast on all platforms. It's called the Coast to Coast Podcast IV. Uh, the reason it's an IV is because there's four of us and we couldn't get Coast to Coast podcast to be on the front page because we were new to the podcasting game. There you go. You got to um, yeah. identify as a solo. Exactly. You got to go solo. IV. You got to get it there. We, we'll get mm-hmm. there one day. But um, And you can check our Instagram out at CTOC Podcast IV. We post uh, previews, like little preview clips, uh, preview edits of like what our podcast would be like. So feel free to check us out. And thank you so much for having me, Jeremy. For sure, Tyler, but stick around because we're just about to record part two and be sure to check out part two tomorrow. So thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, rewind and be kind.